Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast With your hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast Paige Demakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner And we have football to talk about Because we actually have pads on Not us, officially But the NFL players have pads on They are hitting each other We are back to semi-normal training camp as we know it And unfortunately, that means there have been some significant injuries. That is what happens this time of the year. And we were especially paying attention to it, seeing as this has been a very weird offseason. So we'll get into that up here at the top injuries. We've also got some deep sleepers to get into from the guys and myself and from premium slack. So this is the cheap plug. We'll get it out of the way right up at the top. If you are not a premium member for the Draft Network, what are you waiting for? Uh, go to the draftnetwork.com, click on Be the Expert, become an expert member, and join us in premium Slack. Fantasy Slack has become a one of the more enjoyable parts of my day because I jump in, I drop a question, and then just watch everybody lose their minds. It is very entertaining. It is lots of fun, and I'm loving the engagement with our with our fans. Um, and the last thing we're going to do is we are stealing Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino's takes on takes segment because guess what? It's a great segment, and I'm their boss. So quite frankly, I can do whatever I want. So I am stealing the segment. We are making it ours, and I am very excited to see what Jamie and Jake have to say about the takes that I got from the premium Slack members. So guys, first and foremost, uh, injury news up at the top slash uh, sitting out of practice news. So a team we all love to hate slash love is the Chargers, okay? This whole podcast is an unofficial fans of the Chargers, but we are tired of, of buying into the team and then dealing with the repercussions, right? So we already have some news with them, and that is one of their best, most impactful players, uh, defensive end Melvin Ingram, is sitting out of practice because he is dissatisfied with his contract situation. Jake, What is your reaction to that news? Because I read it and said, hmm, that's interesting. And then I read a little more and found out he's doing every little thing he can to make sure he doesn't get the big fine. So he's he's not practicing, but he's doing everything else. And he's dissatisfied is the word that is being used. Uh, One, I don't blame him. Two, the new collective bargaining agreement has made it easier for teams to find these guys and actually collect the money making it harder to hold out. The timing of it's stupid. You weren't dissatisfied or not happy. It should have been done a month ago. You should have been having conversations a month ago. Uh, You're probably butthurt that Joey Bosa got a giant contract, and you arguably have been as good, if not better, at times. Um, You're not the player he is, but your numbers are pretty damn close, if not better at times, like I said. Uh, Neither one of them are on the field all the time. They both miss time. Uh, I don't blame him at all, but the timing is stupid and sucks. Uh, you're in a really, really good team. You're not going to hold out. You're not going to not play. You found a loophole of Zoom meetings and whatever else, so they don't find you yet. And the players have more power than they've ever had. This CBA, two that our boy Lorenzo was explaining to us about all the COVID stuff uh, has probably given a little more leeway, a little more power to the players than they've ever had. But they're probably feeling themselves a little bit, too, because the timing of this is stupid. 
No, I think that that's the biggest part of this. And I, I'm interested on your end, Jamie, to think, uh, to see if you feel the same way Jake and I both feel. Cause I, I saw the Joey Bosa stuff and I said, yeah, this ain't going to be good for Melvin Ingram. Just like looking at the numbers, knowing that. And to, to that, I say, uh, you know, maybe call your agent, uh, hopefully maybe call somebody else, get the, get the deal done a little bit earlier, but the timing aligns pretty well to look at that and go, yeah, it probably has a little bit something to do with that. Yeah, I mean, it almost certainly does. And, and look, he's in the last year of his deal. So it, it's the timing is you've known about this coming up for a while now. This, this isn't a shock. Uh, you know, looking at the way his contract is structured maybe gives us a little bit of an insight of he's only going to, and I say only again inside of the context of, of NFL salaries for elite players, but he's only going to make $14 million in cash this year, which is less oh. than what he made last year. And obviously less than what he made, uh, significantly less than what he made on the first year of the four-year deal. So I wonder how much that little bit of a role plays into it when you start to go like, wait a minute, I'm making less money than I did last year. Wait a minute, though- wait, 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 wait. I got to rewind my take. He's making four, he's making the franchise money for outside yeah. linebackers? $14 million in, uh, less in- than last year and you're going to sit out? Look, Tom Telesco is one of the best in the business, but get this done or get your ass on the field. I, t- I totally take back my take. I don't blame you, but you're already getting paid as an elite pass rusher, which you are. You ain't getting Joey Bosa's money regardless. They already gave that to him. They ain't giving it to two people. I take back my take. Yeah, because the yearly cash breakdown of that, those four years, is in 2017, the, year, the first year of the deal, which is always going to have more because the signing bonuses and stuff they give you up front and guarantees and all that other stuff, uh, was $22.7 million in cash. The year two was $11.2 million in cash, again, to make up for all the stuff that happens in year one. Last year was $17 million, and then the final year here is $14 million. So that, that's what we're looking at. So timing sucks. Get it. You should have got an extension done a, a month ago. Like I said, Tom Telesco is one of the best in the business. Tyrod Taylor is not breaking the bank. You need two pass rushers. Your defense is elite. They'll probably get something done, but it'd be like a one-year extension while we work on a long-term deal. If they want to do a long-term deal, they need two pass rushers, period. So, yeah. Go get it done. Yeah. Yeah. Go get it done. But the timing sucks. And I can't help but say, uh, look at the situation and just go, all right, you saw Joey get paid, and now you now you want now you want a little something too. You want a, you want a, you want a little part of it too, and I get it. It's not not deserving, but it's um the timing kind of. So he's making sixty three million dollars in the last four years, and he's dissatisfied yes. with his contract that he signed. You haven't Just, outplayed that. You're damn good. You put up yeah, phenomenal I mean, he, numbers, but you haven't outplayed a sixty three million dollar contract for a four year deal. Yeah, four year sixty four million, and uh, you know, barring something incredibly weird happening this season, he's going to get every penny of it. I mean, this is not a weird scenario where he's been withheld. And I mean, he's going to get every penny of that deal. And I get like your, your deal's up. I get it. That's why you would negotiate this offseason, but it's August. <laughs> they find him and get him on the field. Yeah, I'm with you. I say the look, team's I got see. loopholes too. Yep. I'm, Players have more power, but they don't have all the power. I can promise no, you. No, I, I'm, I'm quite sure that we're going to get to a situation where it's, it's going to become, okay, let's make a move. We'll be, we'll be an interesting hard knocks on Tuesday night. Now that we've got a, we watched Joey Bosa and, and him signing his deal. And I wonder how much of this will become a thing um, on hard knocks. I'm quite sure it will. All right, guys, the uh, unfortunate news, we got a couple of injuries to get into, right? And there's actually been, there's been more than we're going to get into right now, but we're going to get into the ones that have the most fantasy impact. And, and that is, uh, first and foremost, Gerald McCoy being out for the season. There's been a couple of injuries now for that Niners team. And, and it's, 
they're starting to add up here, Jake. When you look at some of these things that are happening, how concerned are you with the 49ers or their depth is enough and you're not really that worried yet? Yeah, Jalen Hurd was the Niners uh, receiver. Gerald McCoy, yep. defensive end for the – or defensive tackle for the Cowboys. We'll jump Oops. into that in a minute. Uh, Jalen Hurd was – that was huge because Debo Samuel's already hurt. They were expecting him to fill that role, come out of the backfield. Uh, they've lost a bunch. They lost a corner to a calf strain. I mean, I don't know if it's one of those Super Bowl hangovers. You play a really long season, have a really weird offseason. Uh, but they can sustain more than most teams, but not really offensively and not more skill positions. So Jalen Hurd is really going to hurt. They were expecting and counting on him last year and gets hurt to fill a role this year, a huge need with Debo Samuel out. Uh, Brandon Ayuk looking that much more like the fantasy guy you need early from that San Francisco offense. Yeah, I, I was fully – I mean, this is going to be a show we get into deep sleepers. I was fully prepared to talk about Jalen Hurd today with you guys. Uh, he was in my deep sleepers column, and then obviously it looks like – we don't have official word yet, but it looks like this could be, it could be an ACL uh, for him. So that's going to be obviously a season-ending injury. Debo Samuel is already going to be sidelined. I, I If you remember way back when the injury first happened, I kind of assumed from my projections he missed the first three games. Uh, that seems to be reasonable. Uh, they're, they're pretending like he might play week one. He's not, I don't think he's going to play week one, but he shouldn't be months away once the season starts. So hopefully he's back on the field by October, which is kind of where I kind of had that baseline. But Richie James also broke his hand, I believe. So he's been out. So now you have three of your top five or six wide receiver options that are out. So now you've got Ayuk, you've got Kendrick Bourne, you've got Trent Taylor. You know, they just signed JJ Nelson and Tavon Austin. I mean, you're, they're going to have to figure some things out because they have, no, they have a lot of youth and even more unproven talent at wide receiver right now. And, and I understand George Kittle is all world. He is, he's a sensational 100%. player and we heaped praise upon him uh, when we broke down his contract. But at some point you're going to need options that scare anybody on the outside and you don't have that right now. So if you, to me, any team with a competent secondary is just going to go one-on-one -on -one and load the box against you and force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw to subpar outside weapons. And, if you're talking about a razor thin margin of victory that could be at the top of that division at the, at the end of the year, are all these receivers injuries, could they add up to one fewer win by the end of the season? And if that happened last year, Niners had to go on the road three times to go to the Super Bowl. So uh, it's something to be noticeable about. I mean, they're, they're still one of the top teams in the NFC, but it is something to be very concerned about, particularly if this Samuel injury lingers, because as we've seen with another receiver, we'll talk about later in the show, Sometimes these preseason injuries were always very optimistic because, oh, well, yeah. they haven't missed games yet. Maybe they might miss a little time, but there are sometimes there are setbacks. Sometimes timelines change. It's very easy for me to sit here and say, okay, I expect Debo Samuel to play in the first game in October. And all of a sudden you're sitting there at Halloween and he's still not on the field. It's kind of what happened with AJ Green last year. Different injury, different situation, different age. But you have to be concerned about it because right now you have a, a rookie that's going to have your best – Pass catching option is a rookie who's getting what 12 practices going into the season. Yeah. Uh, then you're going to have just, I mean, Kendrick Bourne, who I like, is an interesting option, but hasn't proven much yet. Trent Taylor hasn't proven much yet. Dante Pettis was benched for most of the season last year. There, that's a lot of unproven options when you're supposed to be a 12 13 win team at the top of your division. It, it's enough to be a little bit concerned about. 
It's definitely concerning, especially when you look across that division and put that wide receiver group up against the other wide receiver groups inside this division. All of a sudden, you're looking around and you're going, eh, you're putting a lot of faith in hoping that Brandon A.U. comes in. And we've talked about how big of a jump it is for rookie wide receivers to come in and play a big part of this. The other thing here, guys, is their draft strategy, right? And, and we've been really high on everything John Lynch has done but all of a sudden now, there's not a lot of depth there. And there were many top-tier wide receivers available when they didn't go wide receiver. And their fans are already kind of chirping about it because I don't know how much you've been paying attention to what CeeDee Lamb's doing, but there's a whole lot of conversation about how great CeeDee Lamb looks and, and how great some of these rookie wide receivers look. And this could end up biting them a little bit. And we've heaped praise on John Lynch as is deserved. But if they end up not having... You know, if Brandon Ayuk doesn't take a big step forward and Debo Samuel's injury lingers, they're going to be in a tough spot here offensively because as much as we love George Kittle, you got to have more than that offensively, especially in this division with the, you're trying to keep up with the Seahawks offense and the Rams offense and the Cardinals offense. So you got to, you got to be able to put up points. So I'm a little concerned with them, Jake. I'm, I'm probably a little bit more concerned now that I've talked my way through kind of all the, the lack of weapons that they have. They just they, – they don't have a lot. I'm concerned if they're all healthy. They don't have a one. Debo Samuel would be the, maybe the best two in the league mm-hmm. uh, as far as a complimentary piece to a legit one. But he's not a legit one because it's not how he plays. He's a run after the catch. They do all this other stuff. They don't have that. Now they're down. It doesn't concern me that much because his defense is elite. They're going to run the hell out of the ball. Kyle Shanahan can scheme it up for anybody, and they still do have Kittle. Now you can man up these receivers, but you don't want to man up J.J. Nelson – out there, we, we know how fast J.J. is from his yep. time here. If they're going to do some stuff, and nobody schemes it up better for play action to get a guy open than, than Kyle. So, yeah, it concerns me, but it concerns me if they're all healthy. I mean, yeah. they have a lack of weapons. To go back to your point, they took Kinlaw early after the trade for arms. I mean, I love all that. You replace a guy with a cheaper guy, but this defense has to play elite for that to be the case. The way they want to play – they're still the class of the division because they have a, they had a, a weird offense anyway, and they had a weird cachet of, of offensive weapons. Listen, it's just, it's hard to keep up that level of play. I watched, I, I know, I know it's the team I watched, but I'm just, it's, I watched the same thing with Chicago where their defense was so good and it won them games and a, just a slight step back from Jimmy Garoppolo, not a lot, a slight step back and no lack of weapons. And all of a sudden this team, if that defense isn't as elite as it, as it was the season before, which we know is almost impossible to replicate what they did well, we're last already year. Talking about injuries, right? If they have any more. It's going to be a monster issue. I know. It's a great, it's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, it's uh, Chicago has better weapons minus Kittle. That's exactly right. That's uh, a, and, and defensively, it's just very hard to replicate replicate that elite they have level to play extreme complimentary football they got to limit the turnovers that's yep. not a 13 win team no nope. if that's the case if that's how you have to play it is really hard to win eight four-point games yeah it's right. it's gonna it, it's it's also we know what happens when you're the team that lost in the super bowl there's a trend 
doesn't tend to be doesn't tend to be a good thing. Now I have a lot of faith in Kyle Shanahan and I have a lot of faith in John Lynch, but this is going to be a good year to test that that kind of can they buck that trend. Uh, we'll see if that continues. All right, Jamie kind of alluded to it earlier, but we got to talk about AJ Green's injury. Um, it's unfortunate because this is a guy who's so talented, right? And we talked last year. Jamie, it was you that was pounding the table kind of like, hey, I'm, I'm excited. I'm still bought in. I might, you know, he could come back and play and you couldn't foresee what happened last year. But now it's again and it's another season and they've got some new weapons, right? They drafted wide receivers. They've got some other guys they can rely on. And, and AJ Green's an older guy dealing with another injury. How concerned are you from a fantasy perspective? Because I know you know, depending on what rankings you're looking at, he's going early for, for some for some overall analysts. Well, look, you have to be concerned. I, I was somebody that was willing to take a chance on him last year where he was falling because if he came back, he was going to give you wide receiver two production. The same applies here in the sense that when he's on the field, he's probably going to give you wide receiver two production, but trying to figure out how often he's going to be on the field, when it's going to be, and how long you're going to have him in your lineup is, is an unknown. I had him down in my projections for 13 games this year, and I and that now still seems fairly optimistic. I think you'd be thrilled if you get to that double-digit mark. You know, he, he's just inside my top 30 receivers right now. Um, like I said, I had him just behind Tyler Boyd, who I still, as we've talked about on our show, and we've talked about on the, uh, the mailbag show we've done on Friday, the last two Fridays, and how I still think that's the Cincinnati receiver that I want. Uh, at his ADP, in general, regardless, Tyler Boyd's the receiver I want there. You know, if Green starts to fall outside the top 30 and you're starting to get him into like low-end wide receiver three or wide receiver four range, then absolutely, I think he's worth a shot. But right now, I, I, I have to – I'm still in wait and see mode before I really drop him down the rankings. But I understand why if you – not necessarily take him off your board, but moving him down a full round, round and a half before drafting him. Because if you're someone like me that took the chance last year, I guarantee you're probably not double-dipping and taking a chance again this season. No, I mean, this team can't be – I mean, they're, they're not happy that they franchise him and he's missing time again, but T. Higgins is getting those reps. I'd much rather have Jamison Crowder, Golden Tate later where you're going to be getting A.J. Green if he falls because they don't have to develop chemistry with a rookie quarterback like he's going to have to do who's going to be throwing to these other guys in practice. Uh, I mean, if he misses a week, it's going to be a lot. I, I still agree yeah. with you. There's a spot for him if he falls far enough, but if he's falling into those, those that range – and I'd much rather have Tyler Boyd anyway. I was about to ask you that, Jamie, and you – you went ahead and say that. Um, but it concerns me. I mean, I was one of those guys. I took a chance on him in one league last year, and he, he bit me in the ass the entire season. Yeah. Uh, he's still worth having if he falls to the right spot, but there's other guys I'd rather have that don't have to develop that chemistry, I think. Yeah, probably a little bit more concerning knowing what happened last year, and then you're kind of lingering into the same issue here, and he doesn't have that developed chemistry, as you talked about, Jake. All right, last injury update here, one that was initially a little scarier than we ended up finding out, and that's because Nick Chubb left practice yesterday, and it was kind of open-ended, so you're uh, it, it, I mean, the takes were wild, right? You're thinking he's done for the season, you, the, all different varying opinions. He ends up obviously never a good thing, but he's being evaluated for a concussion. So of all the things that I heard yesterday and read yesterday, where you're talking about worst case scenario of him missing the season, Jake, knowing that he's being evaluated for a concussion, he's probably not going to miss time. But does that does that concern you now because now he's had a concussion and if he has another one, then he is going to miss time. We know how the new rules are with the NFL and that it's not, you know, you never want concussions and the rules are in place for a reason, but it's concerning already day one, you have one. I'm concerned what the hell's going on at this practice. If your superstar running backs getting a concussion, 
you pop in practice, but you're not going full on scrimmage, popping a running back hard enough to get a concussion day one in pads. Tackled him by the neck. If you have you seen the video? Yeah, he he tackles no, him. No, that's high. right. I did read that he tackled him by. Yeah, yeah. it was. First of all, that dude ought to be early. fined and potentially cut because you apparently don't know how to practice in the NFL. You that that stuff doesn't happen. Like that's absurd. I'm concerned. I, I want to know his history of concussions now, because if he does get another one, we saw with Denzel Ward on the other side of the ball for them. It was, it was concussion prone. You're talking about a running back. You want to give 25, 30 carries a game to the battering ram. That's not good. Now they do have a, a nice option there in Kareem Hunt who can carry the load, can be a full three down back. And if he is, his, his value is higher than we both have it now, which is already pretty high. Uh, but I'm concerned uh, probably more than most. I mean, concussions are nothing to play with, especially in today's NFL. But if you're getting one in practice, even if it's a, fl- a fluke play, it's still, it's still bothersome. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the practice aspect of that because that was my first thing was I'm imagining being at Cardinals practice back with Pops and, and seeing somebody do that and then hearing the reaction from the coaching staff had that happen. Like you just you, – you don't – you just don't do that. That doesn't Part of happen. being a pro. You learn yeah, to practice of, like a pro. And your prior to prior practice like a pro is not tackling your superstar running back by the neck. What the hell are you yeah. proving? That yeah. you're tough? Yeah, that's, that's, that was my first reaction. Immature yeah. and unprofessional. There's no place for it. We got a first time head coach who probably wants the intensity level higher than it needs to be a practice, but you got to learn. They got to be, they got to be pros. You got to learn to practice that way. And that's part of the, while we talk about this with new head coaches and I, you're trying to figure this out, like Joe judge had dudes running miles after practice for mistakes in New yeah. York. I love Joe, but dude, yeah, dude, a mile after practice. Cause like coaches too, if you screw it up, Jesus. Yeah. You think this hey, is remember, know, man, this like, is remember this the is Titans, professional bro? football. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Learn to be a professional Cleveland like this. You're, you're killing yourself before you get started. You can't lose Nick Chubb. Yeah. You don't. Yeah. You cannot lose Nick Chubb. That Damn, is does for it sure. scare you right now? Or I was going to say more information. I mean, I think rankings. If he misses more than three days, I'd be more concerned. Did they yeah. say it's a concussion? Or they say possible. It could be like like he's next, he's right? being tested for it. Okay. Um, so he's being tested for it. I, I'm not moving him yet. I'm a little bit lower on him than – it's weird. Nick Chubb is going to be the weirdest player for me. As I continue to say, I think he leads the league in rushing and not in RB1, and it creates this weird dynamic. So, uh, so I'm still a little bit lower on him. I'm not taking him as a first-rounder. But, um, you know, if, if we're still talking about it on next week's Tuesday show, then, yeah, I think I'll yeah. be concerned. Uh, yeah. But in the meantime, not really. Um, I just hope he doesn't take more hits like that again. But look, I, th- I think the Browns are going to run the ball a ton. As long as Chubb is out there, he's going to get a ton of work. But something to monitor. But I, I would be more worried if this was an ankle sprain. Uh, I, I, as, weird, as bad as it is to say, because one, we don't know he has a concussion yet. Uh, but in terms of fantasy value, as weird as this is to say, and I understand the, the long-term impact, I'm not, I'm not mitigating any of that. I'm strictly talking from a fantasy football perspective. It would be more concerning in the short term if it was a, an ankle sprain, a knee issue, uh, something of that nature versus him being able to – because honestly, if Nick Chubb doesn't take another rep in practice until the week of week one, I don't think it's going to hurt him. He's a veteran. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. He's going to get a ton of volume. He'll be okay uh, with getting a little bit of extra rest going to him and being able to stay healthy. Uh, but we'll see. Minus the new offense aspect. Paige, there's one other guy yeah. you mentioned early that I, it's not a fantasy, but it could have impact fantasy, mm-hmm. and that's Gerald McCoy. Yes. Cowboys lost for the season. Now, I said last week on the show, I like this front seven. If their they age doesn't healthy. bite them in the ass and they start mm-hmm. getting injuries. If Sean Lee goes down, Smith goes down, Vanderish goes down, they start losing 
They lost Gerald McCoy on the first day of practice for the year, a run-stopping veteran. They signed a three-year deal, too, who can also rush the passer from that defensive tackle position. It's a big loss. Huge and it loss. does, in fact, impact fantasy because if that defense starts getting injuries, this offense is going to change how they play. It impacts Zeke's value to me. It impacts CeeDee Lamb's value to me if they have to throw more. They're going to throw a lot anyway. Uh, but something to keep an eye on if they get any more injuries in Dallas. Yeah, I know, and it uh, sucks for Gerald knowing that. Yeah, I know he was really excited about playing in Dallas. He talked about it a lot, coming in and being excited, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate. These, the, we knew we were going to lose some of these guys early on because of how this offseason has been, and, and more so I've been Lorenzo Alexander who joined us, and if you haven't listened to his interview, it was awesome, so go back and listen to it. But he and I have been going back and forth just talking about how there you're definitely going to be able to see and he's been watching camp and the videos the NFL network has going and so, and he's like I can tell the dudes who were sitting on their ass he's like I can look and I can evaluate and say that dude hasn't been doing a damn thing and that is a problem because if you try and go from couch to football it's not going to go very well for you and I'm not saying that that was Gerald McCoy I'm just saying there's a a recently retired NFL player who said it was easy enough for him to watch training camp videos and go, yeah, that dude's been sitting on his ass and that dude's been sitting on his ass and that guy hasn't been. And I know that that's part of this. That was one of the scariest aspects of this whole thing is you have no control. There's been no voluntary workout. There's been none of that that we're used to. Go back to what I just said about the Browns. You're flipping professional. Yes. I guess why I disagree with Lorenzo and the NFLPA. The guys don't want to be in the complex. Well, they quit coming out of shape. How damn hard is it to get in? That's what you do for a living. Like, you don't think Trust the coaches are going to know when you come in and pull a hammy on day two because you're out of shape? It's Listen, absurd to me. It, it, it is absurd. absurd to me that that's the case. I'm actually kind of impressed. The first 10 days in shorts, we didn't have more soft tissue stuff. Now, yep. we're going to have more stuff the next couple of days because pads have gone on. Intensity is ramping up. Things are going to happen. As Jamie said in the pre-show, football is football. You can only be so safe, right? But I'm a little impressed with the soft tissue stuff. But how the hell are you coming out of shape, man? It, it blows me away. If I was a coach, I would lose my mind about that. It is your, your job is to be a professional athlete. Your job is to stay in shape. That's it. That's like the, the number one thing you need to do to take care of your body. I... I can say, and I will never call anybody out because I work out at the gym with them. And I, but I can tell you, I've been working out all summer with some of these guys and I've seen some of the dudes that show up regularly and they work out four or five hours a day and they're doing all the extra stuff. And then there's guys who show up twice a week and half-ass the workouts and blah, blah, blah. And all the trainers there know, they look at each other and they're like, that's a dude that's going to get cut. That's a guy that's not going to make this. That's a guy who's going to make a rock. Like, you can tell. It's, a, it's that's really – That's the difference in a second-round pick that plays four years and a guy like Lorenzo that plays 15. That's exactly right. Who right now could be called in two, three weeks and step in on a Wednesday and play – Exactly. He'll what? They can call him on a Wednesday. <laughs> and he'll play on Sunday. night. Yeah. Be here tomorrow. I want to work you out, come to practice, play on Sunday, and not miss a beat. He's a professional. That's, yep. That's exactly right. I think there's uh, – th- there should be something said for guys like that because that is – that that's just learning how to be a pro's pro and man we're learning about that more than ever before this uh this season all right guys let's get into the deep sleepers so i've got a couple from the premium slack and then we've got a couple here from 
our new intern, Henry, who's uh, jumping on the podcast with us these days. So he's, he's behind the scenes and maybe he'll make, maybe he'll make an appearance at some point, but he's got to earn that right. He hasn't earned the right yet. Earn a so nickname before he he's got to earn it. Yeah. He's got to earn a nickname. Once he earns the nickname, then he can jump in, but he put together a, a really good list for us here. So we'll start off with the deep sleepers from premium slack. So uh, I got to go to Jamie here first because he um, <laughs> he made a joke about this name in pre-show and oh I know boy. he's going to have a reaction. So this one comes from Justin in Premium Slack and this is Raymond Calais from the Bucks. So Jamie, what is your thoughts on Raymond and Justin's take that all the other running backs, he said it, not me, are trash in front of Raymond? Uh, I, I So I, I'm aware of this theme that has been permeating the TDN uh, Fantasy Football Premium Slack channel. Uh, I, I understand, I guess, the, the logic behind it. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I don't know how you expect a seventh-round rookie to jump three or four players on the depth chart given almost no practices, almost no reps, five players, as Jake's counting, on the depth chart to get into significant touch territory. Now, uh, I've as I've said on the show, as Jake said on the show, and it will continue to say, Ronald Jones will be given every single opportunity to be the lead back. And the only player that could take that away from Ronald Jones is Ronald Jones. If he is going to give, be given the opportunity, regardless of how I feel about, it, I would have probably taken it back. That wasn't Keyshawn Vaughn. They took Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round. And if there's going to be a rookie running back, that's going to get significant work this year. It's going to be him. Um, so I can't, I can't twist myself in, into making Raymond Calais a thing, even in, even in a six-team plus team league. I just don't think there's any way to get touches. Uh, I don't, you know, Dare, whatever you feel about him, had success in that pass blocking third down catching role last year. Now you have LaShawn McCoy there, you know, Logan's there. I mean, there's a lot. Of, I know he's more of a special teams guy, but there are a lot of players ahead of Calais on the depth chart right now. I think Calais is probably going to be a practice squad guy at this point. You might be all world practice squad, Jamie. That's exactly perfect. Uh, this is so dumb. I'm going to give it like five sentences. And those five sentences are Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy, Daria Goombawale, TJ Logan, who runs 4-3 and has phenomenal hands and is playing over Clay. Clay looks great in practice. They love him. He is a tiny little bitty dude. He's got to learn to play in the NFL game. And there's probably going to be a place for him on special teams if TJ Logan gets hurt. Him make it into this backfield regardless if you think the rest of those guys are trash or not is beyond highly unlikely. So this is like, this isn't even in the deep dark sleepers. This is like in the deep dark reaches of space. That is the quote from today. This is in the deep dark reaches, deep dark reaches of space. Okay. I think premium slag. I think you, I think we've done enough there. I think we've gotten. That'll be at Jake B. Arians on Twitter. Yeah, that would be at Jake B. Arians. And somehow I think he may or may not know a few things about that Bucks organization. So maybe you should listen. Uh, This one comes from Scott and he also likes a, uh, rookie wide receiver here uh coming out of i think he came out of southern miss uh and that's quez watkins from the eagles um he's a six rounder these are that jake's face says it all i'm just gonna let jake take this one go ahead jake why are we wasting time on the show with this like this isn't deep dark sleepers uh okay i'm gonna you got like five yes they're injury prone bunch yes you had good one opt out of the season, which is going to hurt. That was another super speed guy they were going to have. But 
there's going to have to be five injuries. It's the exact same situation. It's a practice squad dude that needs four or five injuries to get on the field before. Now, if he gets on the field, Carson Wentz proved he can make anybody valuable for them. But there's like, there's not worth talking about because what has to happen for him to get on the field is there's nothing to do with the players, by the way, that's nothing to do with clay or this kid. It's just the situations are the NFL. Like this, not, you don't step in as a rookie and make that kind of impact. I don't care who you are. We could be talking yeah. about this with Rager. I'd almost say, say the same thing. I saw a take that Rager is going to lead them in receptions. Oh, that's you know, coming no. in. Just lead. Just wait on that one. Just give us a moment here. All right, look, Jamie. Look, the Eagles receiving core is going to be is going to be weird, especially if Jeffrey misses significant time, um, which is again always possible. I believe he's still on pup at the moment. But you know, I, I liked I liked the pick, but he's at best the sixth receiver in the depth chart right now. Like I just yeah. I don't, and I think that's where. By the and, way, and we'll to be the sixth receiver, Jamie, sorry to cut you off, yeah. you have to play special teams. To play yes. special teams as a rookie that probably didn't play them at Southern Miss. Well, that's the question, because if you're going to play rookie on special teams, you're going to play John Hightower, who's a return, the return guy there. So my question that's is exactly going to be my is, point. So to be the sixth receiver, yeah. you really got to jump to fifth, because the sixth, if they keep six, is always going to be a valuable teams player. See Matthew Slater, New England. And I that's the concern here. And they're look, ban- we'll talk they're about- banking on injuries, right? That's what I think. The I think the the logic here is you're banking on the fact that the Eagles' wide receiving core does not stay healthy. Okay, but but let's play that uh, that scenario because we saw it last year. All those guys went down. There was one Eagles receiver that was worthwhile fantasy. And that was Greg Ward. Yep. JJ Sigger Whiteside didn't do anything. None of the other pieces around there. It was all Boston Scott. Greg Ward and then Miles Sanders. Like that's where, and then the tight ends. That's where all of the production went. Because again, he's the sit, we're talking about Quez, you know, Quez Watkins being the sixth wide receiver. He's like ninth in the pass catching order. If you include the two tight ends and the running back yeah, situation. They're going to be not, in two tight ends. They'll line up Boston Scott at wide receiver if they need to. Like I, I just, I, I like. Right, I, that's I, enough time I, on this. Yeah. yeah I like the player, not- but. It, <laughs> we're, we're moving on. We're moving on. This one's a little better. I feel like um, I'm watching Star Wars. This one comes from Raul. Uh, Paris Campbell, his current ADP is 198. Um, Raul's really excited about him. I think in premium slack, he is a big time Colts fan. So there's a little homerness happening here. But as we trend in the right direction, as far as this conversation is headed, uh, there is opportunity here, especially knowing how this offense runs and the new quarterback that's there and, and some excitement. So Jake, how do you like this one for a deep sleeper? This one's worth talking about for sure, especially if he can play in the slot or if T.Y. can move around and play in the slot. You've got Pittman outside now who's going to take a ton off of what Paris Campbell – and he's a stretch-the-field speed guy. Uh, so if he develops into a legit receiver and they're in three wide, one tight, I can see them being in a lot. Uh, that's, that's worth looking at. I mean, that, this is a, a decent conversation. Uh, I like the player. He developed last year. He's got to stay healthy. But he's got to either – and I can see T.Y. move. I can see them moving around and, and having T.Y. come in the slot some, uh, which means he'll still be outside. But it's, it's tough. But this one's worth talking about. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I, I'm intrigued by him. I, he's got to stay healthy, but he showed flashes at time. He's obviously a, a speedy player who can, you can win in the slot, especially if he's all off the line of scrimmage. Uh, I had him come in at number 78 in my wide receiver ranking, so he did make my top 80. Uh, so he is somebody who's kind of on my radar. I want. I still think I would. Ra- I mean, obviously, clearly, I'd rather have T.Y. Held. I still think I'd rather have Michael Pittman for the season. But I, I, I'm interested in him. He's a guy that I would be perfectly okay with either having at, on waiver wire speed dial or on my bench late, depending on the size of your league, because I do think he can make an impact. 
I do trust the quarterback situation there a lot more this year than I did last year, despite, you know, Rivers' turnover issues from last season. But we've talked a lot about the offensive line upgrade and all that other stuff. I won't rehash that. But he's something that's really intriguing to me because I think there's going to have to be some options there. And if T.Y. Hilton has any lingering injuries in the season, you know, he's going to be that number two or number three, depending on where you put Jack Doyle, pass catching option for him, for Rivers. So definitely somebody I'm intrigued with. I, I have him projected to be, you know, over 100 points this year. So I think he's going to have some value. Uh, and that's assuming that T.Y. Hilton doesn't really miss significant time. If, if that happens at some point in the season, you know, he could be a 120, 125 season-wide, you know, fantasy point guy, which is somebody that is worth rostering on certain weeks, especially as a fill-in. Especially with that speed, Jamie, they go play action. And now Phillip Rivers has more time than he had in L.A. to take those shots. He's still going to take his shots, right? And you have a guy that runs like that, especially if you can do it down the seam out of the slot, something like that. Uh, I, th- I think there's definite value there. He, he can be a little bit – they're a little bit different players, but he can be what Travis Benjamin was a few years ago in L.A. Very good, very good. Uh, and of that yeah, option. Yeah, yeah, so you have Michael Pittman as your Mike Williams. You have T.Y. Hilton as your number one Keenan Allen type player. You could be that – in the slot, can move around, speedy guy that you take a few shots to a game. That makes sense. That's a good That's a good uh, player comp there, Jamie. I don't always love player comps, but that's actually a good one because uh, we tend to get a little crazy in draft season with our player comps. All right, couple that Henry put together here. Um, we'll kick things off here with Justin Jackson because Justin Jackson's overall ADP right now is 169. Uh, so just outside, not too far outside the top 150, but the thought process here, obviously with Melvin Gordon gone and some excitement around what a backfield with Austin Eckler and Jackson can look like. And Jamie, as you said in the pre-show, you know, when, when Jackson was able to get in there, he was valuable. So Jamie, I'll go to you first. When you look at Justin Jackson and you think about his upside this year, are you excited about him as a potential sleeper to roster? I am. He's a player I think is going to be on the field a little bit more than people think. Uh, he's had some success in limited opportunities that he's been given when Melvin Gordon missed time. Austin Eckler's still going to be the lead guy there, but you're going to need somebody that they're going to put between the tackles a few times. You know, I like Joshua Kelly, but I, I think this is one of those things where I'll like him more next year or two years from now. I think Justin Jackson, they're, they're, them not bringing in another veteran back, even on the cheap, and then drafting a rookie kind of had, to me shows they have some confidence in Justin Jackson on a limited workload uh, to be that option for them. And if something were to happen to Austin Eckler, it's going to be a backfield split anyway. But I think Jackson will get the majority of the carries in that scenario where he could be a 13, 14, 15 carry guy in a game that Eckler misses. So he's definitely somebody I, I would target even if I do or don't draft Eckler. I don't think he's necessarily a handcuff per se, but as somebody that could be a high upside option that on certain weeks might be a little bit interesting for you, but uh, he's somebody I, I would be perfectly okay putting on the back end of my bench. Absolutely. Look, I keep grabbing him the last round uh, of drafts, depending on how, you know, how much I've stacked the running back position going in on these mocks that I'm doing. They want to run the ball. Anthony Lynn's putting his stamp on this with no Phillip Rivers. They want to run the ball. And you, they showed you this movie, right? Melvin Gordon was hurt. And when Eckler was the guy, he wasn't as good as he was as the complimentary piece to Melvin Gordon. But Jackson was really good in those same games. Mm-hmm. Eckler's a little dude. If he's going to carry the load and they're going to make him the guy, they're going to have to spell him a little bit or he's going to miss some time sooner or later if they're really going to want to run a normal offense. You want to run the ball. Jamie said a few, tack- few runs between the tackles. you got to do a little bit more than a few to be a running football team. He's going to have some value, and if Eckler gets hurt, I think he has a ton of value. All right, two more that I want to get into here, and then I'll let you guys keep it open-ended if you want to mention anybody else. Two wide receivers, one in Chicago and one in Green Bay. 
Anthony Miller coming in at 150. I know we love the talent. Jamie, especially you and I have talked about for a long time, so underutilized in some moments, um, you know, really <laughs> has always been as a Bears fan, the guy you look at and go, please involve him more in the offense, right? And there's many things that I ask of the Bears offense that don't happen. So I'm not going to start thinking that what I want to happen is going to happen. But Jake, when you look at Anthony Miller from strictly from a fantasy perspective, knowing that you're not really sure who's going to be the quarterback at this moment in time. And he is healthy as of now. Are you interested slash intrigued in having Anthony Miller um, as one of your, one of your guys? Man, I love this kid. Love this kid coming out of Memphis production on a, on a next level production. This kid is a free is a hundred percent. The only reason he's in this conversation is because he can't stay healthy. I don't give a damn who the quarterback is. If he stays healthy for 16 games as a complimentary piece to Allen Robinson, this offense is legit. Mm-hmm. This kid can go inside, play outside, catches stuff everywhere, runs all the routes. He's got it all. I love him, but he can't stay healthy because he plays like a freaking – I'm trying to think like a comparison. He, he, he plays like Carson Wentz and Andrew yeah, he Luck. plays Takes so big. He doesn't need yeah. to take. Yeah. He's got to learn to be a little bit more of a professional, which I don't want to say professional for him because he's doing all the stuff. He's just doing too much. Like, run out of bounds. Go down. So, he's, T.Y. Hilton doesn't make any hits. He catches yeah. an eight-yard slant and dives for 10. And then somebody <laughs> touches him. Like, extend your career, dude. Like, I love this kid. I love this kid. It's just – it's 100% health rate. It's the only reason we're talking about him in a sleeper scenario. He plays with a recklessness, right? Yes, that's, that's the way. It's, it's the way to describe – I'm watching, if you haven't watched um, the latest season – of uh, what's it called on Netflix. And now it escaped me right as I'm about to talk about it. The, um, the thing about Juco college football, but I can't, I cannot think of the name. Um, and now, and now it's like escaping me. It's the fourth season. They're in Oakland. It's, it's phenomenal. Well, um, stomping grounds, man. It was Starkville high extension school. What the hell do they yes, call it? Yes. I can't, why can I not think of the damn name of the Netflix series? Anyways, in that there is a wide receiver who is just reckless. And he talks about how he plays and he goes, when you watch my film, you're going to see a wide receiver who can run every route and who plays like he's unafraid to die on the field. And that is the best way to describe Anthony Miller. Cause that dude will take hits that are so unnecessary, but you see him get up What's and you're the like, best ability page availability. We talk about and it all. all the, the I don't time. give a damn about all the rest of that. If you ain't available, you ain't helping us. Last chance you. Thank you, Henry. Thank there you. you. It was escaping me what it's called. But that this is a great – it's a phenomenal season on a total – and it, for everybody who is craving football, I know it's not NFL, but people are hitting each other. And it's, like, exciting to watch. So, Jamie, mm-hmm. we're Team Anthony Miller. Uh, but, it's, as we said, availability, got to have it. Where are you looking at Anthony Miller coming into the season? I mean, look, you just have to check the tape on this podcast to know how much I love Anthony Miller. I mean, I think I preached it for a while. I'm looking to see where I ranked him this year. Again, the concerns with Miller are simple. It is injury history, and I kind of wish Mitch Trubisky was throwing him the ball because at least I know that he's going to target him a ton. But uh, he came in at number 56 for me among wide receivers, so it's very much draftable. I mean, and, and to me, he, the guys right around him, I have him the same – you know, right around Sammy Watkins and Mike Williams. I know bigger names than Anthony Miller, but both guys that I think they're all going to be in that same range. Look, he's just got to stay on the field. Uh, he's a tremendous player. Uh, I know sometimes he can be a little bit inconsistent catch-wise, but he's going to get a ton of volume. He's used all over the field. He's going to chew up yards. Uh, he's a really strong PPR receiver when he's out there. 
And look, there aren't a lot of great options to throw to for the Bears right now. I mean, outside of Allen Robinson, you know, you've what, you got Jimmy Graham, Javon Wims, Riley Ridley. I mean, who else are the pieces there? I mean, they're going to play Eddie Jackson, a wide receiver, it looks like. I mean, it's just like, um, I mean, for short and gadget plays. But you know what I mean? But so there's not a lot of options there. So at some point, you have to go somewhere with the football. And unfortunately, I feel like given the quarterback play, they might be down late in games and having to throw the ball more than they would like to. I don't mind him as much with Nick Foles, Jamie. I mean, what does Nick Foles do really well? Maybe as good as anybody in the league? RPOs. Yeah. What did, what did Anthony Miller run it at Memphis? They ran an RPO offense like every college in America. So, I mean, he's going to run a bunch of slants, a bunch of digs, you know, a little arrow route, speed outs, that kind of I, – I think there's going to be a ton of targets if he can stay on the field. Stay on the field, yeah. Yeah. So I like him. I mean, I like him. It's just it's got a – I'm surprised there are a lot of these, these wide receivers and we'll bring up a couple of them afterwards that people that had real success last year down the stretch for fantasy owners. And then everybody just kind of forgot about them this year. And it's, it's kind of interesting to me. All right. The next guy I want to talk to you guys about is uh, in the division. The everybody is trying to figure out who this guy is, right? Who's going to be the other guy that has value. We played this game last year in fantasy football. Devontae Adams even gets hurt, and we're still trying to figure out who the hell is going to be the guy. And guess what? The only guy was Aaron Jones. Everybody else was a wash, and it wasn't worth it. So I'm interested to hear if you guys think that Alan Lazard, who came in, who had value at certain points throughout the season, but now with, you know, your expectation is Devontae Adams will obviously play the season. No, he's coming off the injury from last year. And that this team is going to have a big focus on Aaron Jones again. Jake, do you have any level of excitement uh, for rostering Alan Lazard? I do. I liked what I saw last year down the stretch. Uh, he has chemistry with Rodgers. They've moved on for, from some other pieces that played ahead of him. He's going to be out there a ton. I think he could end up being the number two receiver, not the number two option in this op- offense, but the number two receiver, uh, which means I mean, he can be in the mid to high 60s, I think, catch-wise, maybe 70. Um, again, it was like 35 last year, but he didn't play the whole first half of the season. He kind of came on late. Um, I like him. I like, I like him. I don't know about it as a sleeper. I think it's more of a speed dial thing as Jamie always likes to call it on the, uh, the waiver wire, but somebody I pay attention to, like I go back to my DJ Chark example last year, I watch a lot of games in week one. I'll get on and skip around on the, on, uh, NFL tickets. So you can watch a piece of a lot of different stuff. And man, DJ Chark jumped out to me in the first quarter of the chiefs Jaguars game last year. Now he's not that player. I'm not saying that, but you might be able to watch him in week one and see how they use him. He's out there more than you think. And all the stuff coming out of Green Bay is they're talking about how much they like him, how professional he is. Go back to that professional comment. That he's doing all the little things right, which, which adds up to if Aaron Rodgers likes you and he has chemistry with you and he wants to throw you the ball, your numbers are going to be pretty good. Yep. If I'm going to take a Packers second receiver, it'll be Lazard, but I'm okay. not enthused. He's my wide receiver 70 right now. Um, you know, I think he could be okay, but the problem is, is, is when you start to get to this level of wide receivers, they're all very much bunched up, and I don't think he's got the upside of, you know, some of the other players. You know, he doesn't have the upside of a Mecole Hardman or a C.D. Lamb or I think even a Brashad Perriman, uh, just based on the way the office is run. I know we're always looking, but I'm in wait-and-see mode because we did this last year of, okay, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Is it going to be Geronimo Allison? Who's going to be that option? And then it was neither of them. Uh, mm-hmm. So, to me, I, I'm really only enthused about drafting – three Packers, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, and Devontae Adams. I probably won't have another Packer on my team. There'll be some hype for Reggie Bagleton. There's already some hype for Equimenius St. Brown because there, because there is no other options. We're just going to have every name that makes a nice catch in practice is going to be the new sleeper option in green Bay. 
it's worth monitoring, like Jake said, waiver wire speed dial, but something just to kind of keep in mind as you're going forward. Uh, guys, Jake, is there anybody else? There's quite a few names on this list, but I wanted to see if there's anybody else that sticks out to you as far as you wanted to talk to, because we're getting to the uh, hour mark, and I wanted to 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 wrap things up with. I a know good there's question. one that Jamie not... wants, so I'll save I'll save Jamie's for okay. Jamie. I'm gonna go Eric Ebron over okay. Chase Claypool. They're both on the list. Claypool to me has got to really prove it with no preseason games in a place like Pittsburgh with a guy like Ben. We talked about Washington had no chemistry with Ben, but he went out and played pretty good last year with Mason Rudolph. Hopefully Ben gets some chemistry with him, but you still got Ryan Switzer there who Ben loves in the slot. Juju's back. Deontay Johnson looked really good. Who should take another step forward. They're going to throw it to Samuels out of the backfield. Ebron's a big target that I think Ben's going to love. And that division when the weather's turning, I think Ebron could be sneaky because I think he's really going to play a receiver with Vance McDonald still playing tight end. Uh, and I think Claypool is going to have to play over Ebron in those situations, which means he's probably going to be on the bench. And I go back to, yeah, he's a freak-looking dude. But superstar first-round receivers aren't running down on kickoffs in college. Like, that whole thing still throws it out the window. He's got to prove it to me. So I don't like him at all as a sleeper, not even, like, pay attention to. There's plenty of other guys. But I keep taking Ebron, like, the 15th round as my second tight end and loving it. Like, I yeah. – I, I don't know exactly how they're going to use him, but I know that offense well. But he's a receiver that I think Ben's going to absolutely love. Jamie, yeah, who, I, is the, who is the guy you want to react to? Can I, can I cheat? Because I have five names I would love to share. Oh, Can I tell you who I thought? I was saving Russell Gage for you. That's that is absolutely one of those five names. You were going to. That is absolutely. So I'll start with him just because you brought him up. Um, I don't know what people missed late last season or what they think has changed between last season and this year. Uh, but he was a top 50 wide receiver uh, in, in PPR formats last year. He's going to be a he's going to be the wide receiver three in a pass heavy offense that's going to throw 600 plus times. Uh, I I don't know what people are missing here. He's right now going, his ADP is 303 as the wide receiver 88 off the board. So he's going undrafted in most formats. He is absolutely somebody that is a worthy bench slot by week fill-in guy that I used a lot last year. I used Russell Gage and Greg Ward a ton down the stretch last year in fantasy uh, and made a deep run in the postseason with those guys. I, I think he's going to be a hundred target type guy in that offense. I think he's going to get his fair share. He's going to, he's once, once Sanu was traded, he was really a really strong player. Uh, a few other names I want to bring up. One of them will briefly, because we talked about him a lot before, and that's Steven Sims Jr. I mean, following the Kelvin Harmon injury, uh, going right now ADP 290 as the wide receiver 85. Love he's going to start opposite, opposite Terry McLaurin in Washington. Like, he's going to be that number two receiver uh, and had a really strong last month of the season when given that opportunity to be in that spot last year. Definitely somebody I am keeping an eye on. Uh, the other one at wide receiver before we get to a couple of running backs is Josh Reynolds. And here's what's interesting about it, because I think everybody's forgetting about it because we hear all about the two tight end sets and all, on all of that stuff. But here's a fun stat for you, because I looked this up. So since 2018, in games where either Cooper Cup or Brandon Cook sat out or left in the first quarter because of injury, keep in mind, Cooks isn't there anymore now, Reynolds is averaging 3.2 catches, 49.3 receiving yards, and 0.6 touchdowns and on six targets per game. That's averages out. 11.4 PPR points per game in that scenario. Last year, Preston Williams and Adam Thielen averaged 11.4 fantasy points per game. Somebody that nobody is talking about, um, going outside the top 80 wide receivers right now. I understand they're not going to run a ton of three, uh, three wide receiver sets, but 
they're still going to run some. I think that we, we kind of overshift our balance, assuming that they're just going to be in two tight end personnel 100% of the time, which is not what's going to happen. Reynolds has had success in that role when given that opportunity. So it's somebody to kind of keep an eye on. I'm not sure I'm drafting him necessarily, um, but it, depending on how deep your league is, but somebody to have on waiver wire speed dial for the right matchups because when he's given that opportunity with one of either Cup or Cooks out, he has performed pretty consistently over two different seasons in that scenario. So that's another guy I'm watching. Uh, the other two are more deeper sleepers on the running back side. You know, one of them is going right now at 248. And that's Malcolm Brown. And I think he's the forgotten guy in that Rams backfield. We're, we're all yelling about Cam Akers or Daryl Henderson. And we're forgetting that Malcolm Brown has a really decent chance to actually be the lead back. He could very well be their goal line back or their inside the 10 guy. He could be a guy that, you know, on any given week kind of fills that, you know, if you remember what Jeff Wilson was briefly, but imagine that for a full season, not multiple touchdowns a game, but he could be a seven, eight, nine rushing touchdown type player for you that in a pinch, in a bye week, in a weird scenario, or in a best ball league, might be a decent option for you to have because they like him a lot. Remember, they matched an offer sheet from Detroit on him a year ago. I mean, he, he's, he's the guy that nobody's talking about in that backfield right now and has way more experience in that offense than the other two guys and way more success in that offense than the other two guys and just is being completely ignored in favor of the, two young, of the rookie and the sophomore running back. So somebody to keep an eye on. And this one's kind of a, a pretty deep one. This is, goes back from a name that I loved a few years ago, going as the uh, RB76 right now, and that's Chris Thompson. He's got to stay healthy. This is a PPR play. But he's now in Jacksonville. Do you know who the new coordinator in Jacksonville is? It's Jay Gruden. And if you remember what Jay Gruden had schemed up for Chris Thompson in Washington a few years back. I love this one. It was a really interesting scenario. And if, I mean, look, we're, we're a far cry from 2017 where he was, you know, the RB10 uh, in total on average points per game and finished as the RB24 despite missing six games. Uh, but I still think he's somebody that's worth watching because of that Jay Gruden connection in Jacksonville. Particularly maybe if, you know, Leonard Fournette gets banged up at some point. They're not going to give him a ton of carries. But if he gets banged up, they might give Rykel Armstead some of the carries. And then you have Chris Thompson coming in on third down, passing down scenarios. They suck. We all know this. So they're going to have to throw the ball a lot late. And if also. Leonard Fournette needs a little bit of maintenance in the fourth quarter of games where they're down 17, guess who's going to come in for a no huddle, you know, the four-minute drill and maybe could get four or five targets in the fourth quarter of some of these games. That's Chris Thompson. So somebody to keep an eye on there. That's basically you can get for free right now. I like that one a lot, especially bringing up the Jay Gruden connection. And I was waiting for a Leonard Fournette joke, Jake, and he didn't deliver. I was waiting for one. I was one. going to say Leonard Fournette had like 70-plus catches quiet last year. Yeah. But it's definitely one to keep an eye on. I love the connection with Jay Gruden. And I love crazy stashes running all over the place, man. Like, he's going to dump it off when they're trying to make plays. And that's – perfect PPR thing I love that he's now he's now morphed into crazy stash is now the now the I new I mean the men's stash is you know how much I love stash. some men's stash but the dude is nuts I'm calling yeah. it crazy stash from now on oh the crazy stash all right we're going to end the podcast with takes on takes that is how that is how we we're going to end the podcast uh, I haven't decided which day of the week this is going to start happening during the season probably Mondays because we'll come out of the weekend with you know, Sunday, oh, Monday morning overreaction, right? Happens each and every year. Uh, and going off of that, we'll have takes. So these are, the, these are the takes that I got from the premium Slack. And I am happy to deliver them to get reactions. So let's start off with the one that Jake teased earlier. And that is that Jalen Rieger will finish as Philly's leading receiver, including over Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. Jake, 
What is your reaction to this take? He's going to have to play his ass off to finish third behind Miles Sanders and Zach Ertz. That it's the leading receiver yeah, of the leading wide receiver, receiver group mm-hmm. or the leading receiver on the team? Receptions mean receiver. I think receptions in general. That's, that would be he's mine. Over the maybe, tight ends. So. Yeah, then, over the then, tight ends. Then no. He's going to have to play his ass off to outcatch Boston Scott, who's not going to play a ton. Um, he's a rookie. They got – I mean, they're going to have – if they – I mean, we're already, everybody's obviously counting them to have injuries at the receiver position, right? And this is, goes right into that. I like the kid. I know a bunch of scouts that didn't have a third or fourth round grade on him. He went in the first. There was, he was all over the map. He looks great in that uniform. He can fly. But he had no offseason, no preseason games, has no chemistry with the quarterback at all. It, it's a stretch, to say the least. I'll be nice. Okay. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's fun. I could squint and maybe if you changed it to leads the wide receiver core. Yeah. And I can go, you know, Jeffrey's on pop. Maybe they trade him. Maybe he misses eight weeks. Maybe, you know, maybe Deshaun Jackson. Like, like there's a lot of things there where I go, like, eh, maybe. Like, I don't think it, that would be cr- a crazy scenario. But I, I don't see him having um, more yards than and, and then even Miles Sanders or Zach Ertz or those guys. I, I just can't see it. If it was okay. Justin Jefferson in Philly instead of Minnesota, we're having this conversation. I could make that argument. Okay. But Rager's not a well, super well-rounded guy. Catches a lot of 50-50 balls in college. Does some really cool stuff, and he's fast. Being really fast doesn't mean you're going to catch a ton of balls. All right. Zach Ertz is going to be 90-plus if he's healthy. I, I was uh... – I was hoping that we would get some, some animation here and we've, we've delivered. We got two more to get into. Okay. Des will be a valuable deep flex play. If he signs to play with the Ravens. Stop with the, with the Des Bryant fantasy stuff. Good God. How many years in a row do we have to do this? Stop. Stop. Go, go for me, Jamie. Keep going. Just, it's just, uh, it's stop it. Don't draft Des Bryant. Don't stash Des Bryant. Don't put the little, <laughs> Yellow star next to Des Bryant in your waiver wire. It doesn't matter. How many years has it been since Des Bryant has been relevant? Many. Stop it. Okay. I, he's, he's, he's okay at Twitter. That's great. But we're not drafting for players that are okay at Twitter. Like, I just stop it. No, we're not doing this. <laughs> Hollywood um, Brown is a deep flex play at this point. He's their number one. Yeah. He's not making it into your wide receiver one or two if you have a decent draft. No. And Des Bryant, I mean, what do they throw it, 21 times a game? That's yeah. the thing, too. If there, there isn't enough volume in that offense. And 18 they of like, them go to tight ends? And they like Miles Boykin. Like, I, that, again, sometimes not every offense is built to help your fantasy team. By the it way, just, <laughs> did anybody see Harbaugh's press conference? I'm not talking about who we worked out or who we didn't work out. We're always out there searching for new – he wouldn't even admit that they worked him out. No. And then, like, Rappaport's got to come out and save his ass and say, oh, I had a source. They worked him out. Yeah. And Michael Irvin's like, I talked to Dez as soon as they got the call and he was heading over there. Come on, man. Like, no, stop. There's, there's one unsigned wide receiver free agent that is, would be fantasy relevant for the back half of the season, regardless of what you think about him as a person, and that would be Antonio Brown. Yeah. That is oh, it. Yeah. There is no other wide receiver free agent right now that I think is relevant for the vast majority of fantasy leagues that's sitting outside. And the only running back right now that's in that category is Devontae Freeman. Like, there's, like, two players right now in fantasy that are not yet signed that I would say, yeah, if they sign somewhere, I'm paying attention. Those are the only two. Okay. All right. I like it. I, I knew AB was going to get brought up eventually, so you might as well just rip the Band-Aid off now. If he, if he ends up being somewhere after his suspension and plays, the dude can still 
move and can play. Yeah. But Dez cannot. Dez has not been playing or relevant for a very long time. I don't – this one I don't get. Like, I saw it, and I, I literally just started laughing, guys. Like, I read it, and I started laughing because I was like, this has to be – a total wraparound because of Twitter. Like it literally is. I think people put stock into the fact that he's relevant in our Twitter world. And so he's relent in your mind. And so you think he's still relevant in football. And would it be a decent signing for the team cheap? If he could play in the slot. Yeah. It add depth to the team. It's zero fantasy relevance whatsoever. Mm -mm. Yeah. No. And look, they like the guys they have there. I mean, we not, we might not, but they like Boykin. They like what Willie Snead provides to them. Like it just, it is what I I, I lied. There's one more receiver. Even though he hasn't played in years, if like Kenny Galladay got hurt and Calvin Johnson walked off the street, I would talk about that. But (laughs) other than that, that is is the extent of of these guys at this point. Uh, Sign me up for that. And with the AB stuff, which one, I don't think is going to happen, nor should it on a personal level, but on a football level, if it were to happen, treat him like you treated Kareem Hunt last year in that suspension. That's an area where I would not advise drafting him. Uh, talk about it around week five, week six, week seven on your off your waiver wire. Yeah. Especially yeah, depending, depending on who his quarterback on. is and where he ends up, absolutely. That's one that's like, could that, that one could win you a championship if he yeah. – we don't even know if he's getting reinstated after week eight, but no, yeah. and he might not. And by the way, I, I, if he never plays again, I'm not going to shed a tear, but no. it's just something that it does happen. It is fantasy. ball. Oh, by the way, another guy, it's not really stop. Don't draft Josh Gordon, please. For the love of God, don't draft Josh oh. Gordon. We're not doing this again either. 2012 was an eternity ago. It was an eternity ago. It's not, it's over. It's over. But I, I hope he, I hope that he's, I, hope all, I wish Josh Gordon all the best. <laughs> I wish Josh Gordon all the best as a person. I hope he gets the opportunity to play again. And, you know, he's able to overcome the addiction issues that he is, has and, and lives a happy life and maybe earn some more money in football. Stop drafting him in fantasy. Stop. Don't ask me about him in fantasy. It doesn't matter. It's just not, it's, it's not happening. It's over. We, Jamie has quickly taken over takes on takes and I'm, I'm, all, <laughs> I'm all aboard this train. This has been fantastic. We got one more. Uh, and I have a feeling this one's going to uh, rile up the engines too. Um, Brian Edwards, okay, third round pick for the Las Vegas Raiders, finishes as the most valuable rookie wide receiver, maybe in in Las Vegas, maybe even in the AFC West, okay? So there's obviously another rookie wide receiver on that team that there's a lot of excitement about. But this guy got drafted in the third round. There's a couple other AFC West guys, specifically in Denver, that a lot of people are excited about. But this one, I could wrap myself around a little bit. Jake, what are you thinking on this take? This isn't the kid from Kentucky. That's Lynn Bowden. No, no, no. No, no, no. no this, is Brian, yeah, this is Brian Edwards. This, he's no. from South Carolina. South no. Carolina. Decent right? player. Decent yep. player. The only one yep. I can make South an argument Carolina. with is Bowden because he's such a freak athlete with the ball in his hands. But you got to get the ball in his hands. So, no. I mean, have you watched Jerry Judy? Do you watch K.J. Hamler's tape the other day yeah, from practice? KJ. Yeah. Dude, dude if he was healthy at the combine, I agreed with whoever put that, that take out. Yeah. That is a phenomenal pick. The footwork of those two guys alone means they're getting open. You're not pressing anybody on that team. I don't know how much they're going to throw. But the receivers, when they do, are going to have separation. The footwork is insane. And Cortland Sutton's a big, massive freaking dude we talk about all the time. Uh, no, I cannot make this argument whatsoever. I don't think he's – I'll put it – I just made the argument why he's not on the team, much less the AFC West. I don't think he finishes 
anywhere near rugs. And I think Bowden could be a phenomenal piece for them if they can figure out how to get in the ball. Okay. Jamie. Debo Samuel ish for Bowden, right? I'm intrigued by Edwards, but I can't, I mean, he's still for me, clearly fourth of the options behind Judy, behind Hamler, behind rugs and whatever order you want to put them in. Uh, I'm intrigued because he's going to be on the, it looks like he might be on the field, which again is half the battle at the moment, but Still, I, I, there's still a lot of mouths to feed. We talked about this uh, with Renfro, with Ruggs, with a healthy Tyrell Williams, with Darren Waller. You know, again, th- th- there's one of those ones where this is where competing narratives come out. And, and by the way, the person that asked us is not talking about competing narratives. I just mean what we have to talk about in the fantasy community because Josh Jacobs can't be used more in the passing game and then they have five wide receivers that are relevant. It just, it's not happening. That's not how that offense is going to operate. So what, something has to give there. I'm intrigued by Edwards. I think he's worthy of keeping an eye on. That's one of the guys I think I'd put on my waiver wire speed dial, which I'm going to do an article right before the season of a list of guys that you should be like, okay, if you look at the first week, first two weeks, and if you see certain things, a lot of it's just target share. You know, everyone's going to see if a guy catches four passes for 110 yards and two touchdowns, everyone's going to run to the waiver wire and grab them week one. There's no analysis to be had there. But sometimes you can see some of the underlying things bubbling up that become interesting. But to me, no. Ruggs is going to be used all over the field. Is going to be the most dynamic option they have there. Even I, I have very tempered expectations on Jerry Judy, but he's still going to be a, be a pretty solid player. KJ Hamler, I love in best ball. If that's somebody that you can grab super late and know that you know, he might be able to spike two or three, four games a year for you where he gets you 15, 20 points. Uh, but there's going to be some inconsistency there. But uh, I don't think it's a crazy take, but I, 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 can't, I can't put him any higher than fourth of the rookie receivers in the AFC West. Look, Hunter Renfro is still a thing. Hunter yes. Renfro has made himself a thing since junior high when nobody, when everybody counted him out. He's still going to be on the field. Reliable. And there's a dude named John Franklin from Last Chance U in Tampa who has earned the respect of that offensive coaching staff to the point where they got to figure out how to have him as a third, you know, quarterback slot receiver, came in as a DB last year. He's so damn dynamic with the ball. And that's Bowden. The Raiders are going to figure out ways to get him the ball, which is going to take stuff away from everybody else he's mm-hmm. gonna be on the field still learn how to play the position but like i said see debo samuel early speed sweeps little stuff he can throw he was a quarterback like they're gruden's gonna love to get creative there that's gonna take away potential targets anyway we are going to we have two things one i'm gonna tease the question of the day we're not gonna get into it on the podcast i'm gonna put it up on twitter henry is gonna put it up on twitter intern henry is gonna put it up on twitter and we're gonna see what the Twitter sphere has to say about the most valuable handcuff situation that you should go for in fantasy. Okay. So a couple of different options. We will talk about it on Thursday's podcast. We'll give you the results of what the uh, Twitter sphere is saying. So we'll get into that. And the last thing I'm going to do here is end with something funny that I know you guys will have a reaction to. So this comes from Kyle Krabs. So you can Oh Probably take a good guess that this has to do with the Miami Dolphins. Okay, no. so this this Hit has me with a, the Josh Rosen takes probably. It, yep. As oh, as we are as we are ending with takes oh, on takes boy. from Omar Kelly, who is down watching Miami Dolphins practice. Apparently, don't overhype things. Tua hasn't impressed me yet. Calm down. Josh Rosen looks significantly better than Tua, which is odd but a pleasant surprise. Jake, your reaction to Omar Kelly's tweet? None of that surprises me. Yep, I knew that was going to be what he said. You put Josh Rosen in shorts with everybody in the league, he's going to be in the top 10 of throwing the ball. Yep. Jay Cutler coming out. By the way, Jay Cutler could throw the shit out of a football. Tua is a smaller dude who throws funky left-handed, who hasn't practiced in nine months, 
to what the, he hasn't practiced with this team. Rosen knows these guys. Why is this a shock? This isn't yep. a take. By the way, they took Tua, and Josh is your third. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They should trade him because I still think Rosen can play somewhere. Me too. Uh, me too. No, th- none of this surprises me. By the way, if you watch New England's practice, Cam Newton's not going to look like the best throwing quarterback. Stidham can flat spin a football. Watch the little bit that they're showing and just watch when they just show the quarterback. Watch Newton's face. And when he throws it, he's like, ooh, is that going to be high, low? And watch Stidham's face. <laughs> it comes out and he moves on. Like, Guys can throw – that doesn't mean you're going to be the best quarterback. But, no, this doesn't surprise me whatsoever. It's, tr- it's true, and it means absolutely nothing. Yeah. Perfect. That's exactly I mean, what I was looking for. Tua's just got to the pros, has an abridged pre- – what, this is what, his fourth practice, third practice, first in, in pads, uh, coming off a major injury, doesn't know the offense. Josh Rosen's been there before, knows the offense, knows this team, isn't coming off a major injury. And is very and, and has a lot of talent. Like that, none of this should surprise anybody, but none of this all changes the situation. Like By the Josh way, Rosen Tua is can not. Spin it. Yeah. Tua can really spin it. But you're talking about his first practice, and you're this yeah. is your take. Tua is the quarterback. Tua is the 2021 Miami Dolphin starter. If he is healthy, that is what's going to happen. Nothing Tua's Josh Rosen does in 2031 starter. If he stays yeah. healthy, that's what they put in like, this for him. They, they said there's, there's, this, this is nothing. This is absolutely nothing. I live Nothing. for a, I live for a quarterback controversy. But live for it. Can't wait. So I'll, I'll throw this one out there for you, Jamie. Here we go. Fitzpatrick gets hurt in week two in the fourth quarter. Now we know Rosen's coming in then. Yes. Who starts week three? I'm going to go with Rosen. Yeah, I, if it's that early in the season, I think it's Rosen, and, I agree. and that's basically the I point think they'd I was be better make. off. I'll, I'll change. I think they'd be better off playing Rosen in week three. Honestly, they, I, would, I would like them just to redshirt Tua for his run. I, I know they won't do it, but that's what I think is the best policy. But that goes back to what I was saying on the show when we talked about Dolphins' projections and when Tua would be out there. I keep saying it. I think asking for anything more than the final month of the season would be generous. I think that is, I think that is the line I have drawn. I think you get him in to a few – I do think it's worth getting him into at least one game as a starter before the end of the year if he's healthy. I think there is some value there to get him that one that shake that, that one starting experience and one week as a starter going into his first true off season. I think that has value, but I think we're going to see maybe at most three or four starts from him this year. At most, I don't if think they're, if they're three and seven, I say playing down the stretch, and they yeah. look like shit in their three. Playing the final month. If they're five and five, no, no, you got, yeah, you got he's no. got to get some work because you, you learn more on the field than you do watching. But he's got to be healthy for a couple more months. Yeah. I knew this. I knew this would turn into a discussion, which is why I brought it up because there's there's a lot to unpack, no matter where you fall on this quarterback situation. But I know that everybody already they had they had Kyle Van Oy saying, "I'm only answering Kyle Van Oy questions. I will not answer questions about Tua Tagovailoa because it's already happening. Right? This is what happens, people. This is why the Aaron Rodgers stuff." You can't have a guy, you can't draft a guy in the first round and say, we're going to sit him for three years. It's not 2005 anymore. You can't do that. They're going, the media is going to ask you every damn day about every single thing that happens. And today, Aaron Rodgers threw three interceptions in practice. And guess what? It's a thing already one day into having padded practices. This is you what could, happens. You couldn't do it in 2004 either. Cause again, keep imagine what happened. Not even talk about the Green Bay situation. Let's talk about the other the other young quarterback that came in in 2004. Not not Rogers this year. 
that went to San Diego behind yep. a veteran that at that time we didn't think was going to the Hall of Fame was clearly going there now and having to figure out how the, how the hell they get the transition from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers and they took a shoulder injury to make them make that final move to go, okay, well, now this decision's easy for us. We're going with the young guy. But the, these situations usually end poorly. But the thing is, that's not what's happening in Miami. Fitzpatrick isn't the starter there next year. Fitzpatrick doesn't expect to be the starter there next year. Nobody expects that to happen. This is, very, this is a very simple transfer of power as you learn the game over time for a quarterback that was injured last year. This is not very complicated. There's nothing weird or shady or different that's going on here. Get to it into some games late in the season if he is healthy, so at least he knows what that experience is like going into his first true full off season. That's all you need. The By offense the are way, going to the playoffs this year. He missed all of OTAs. Yeah, the quarterback being a quarterback in college, and I know for a fact they had to cut the field in half for him. You're for, you're seeing all eleven guys on defense in pads for the first time in the NFL. The speed is different. You don't know the offense that well. When you don't know exactly where to go with the ball, I mean, from jump, I don't care how much you can spin it, how good you can throw it. It's going to look hesitant. You're going to aim it a little bit. You're not going to look that good the first couple of days. I don't care. The fact that Rosen knows the offense and knows where to go with the ball and has the talent to throw it, it's going to look better regardless. If I was Miami, I would trade Josh Rosen. I just, I would. I wouldn't. I don't want to create unnecessary BS, and that's what happens. That's it. Whether you like it or not, and you're talking about a 22-year-old kid, you think he's not on social media reading every single gash damn take that they have about him? You're wrong. Like, you, this is unnecessary. The fact that we're talking about it, but that's why I brought it up, because this is what happens with quarterbacks. If there's, if there's five good throws from one guy and five bad throws from another guy, it's a thing. It happens right away. And guess Vegas. what? We have been dying for football. Hey, the, so it's going to be even worse. The problem with that is there shouldn't be five bad throws. Nobody's hitting you. No. You just put pads on for the first time. If you're in shorts, there shouldn't be a bad throw. Even if I, you don't know where to go with it and you throw it to the wrong dude. It still should be a good throw. They might well, get Aaron, picked. Aaron Rodgers had three had three picks today, Jake. So I Tom think Brady's it's got to... three in three days. He's also listen, got nine touchdowns. It happened. Listen, Aaron Rodgers is washed. Trade him to Chicago. That's a great yep. plan. I think it's a great. He's washed. Just start Trade Josh Rosen to Washington. Yes, that'd be inter- That would be but interesting. Compete with Alex Smith. Well, that's going to be my final take. So I'll jump on it right now. Okay, Alex Smith, here we go. I love you. This story is phenomenal. You're underrated. Yes. You are a freaking pros pro of all pros pros. Please retire. I love the story, man. I love that you're off pup. I want you to have, you have beautiful kids, beautiful family. Dude, go do I something else. I, I, I think it's to him. He had to come back just like, cause that was the surgery motivation. 17, you made $200 million, man. Go. I hope to God he's not the starter. I hope he can be there and mentor Dwayne Haskins for a year. That would be awesome. And then he can ride off and he played one more year and he never had to take the field. But my God, I don't think I can watch a game that he comes into. I, I don't. I honestly, I don't think I could turn it on, man. Like it would absolutely crush my soul to have him have something else happen. But whatever he's wearing under this, the compression sleeve doesn't look good. Like there's a knee brace bulk on your knee, not on your mid shin and ankle, dude. Like it's not. But I do think Rosen would be a phenomenal place if Haskins doesn't look great. They could trade him there. I think he'd fit what Ron Rivera wants to do. It'd be, it would be an interesting place. For him. I, I'd like to see that kid get a decent shot because the shot that he's had in the league right now, he's, he's up against it. And he was a number, he was a 10th overall pick for a reason. Yeah. It's uh, 
the Alex Smith stuff, I'm with you, Jake. It's, it's hard to, I'm so excited for him because you know how happy he is, but man, it's like, if that was your kid or that, if you're Alex Smith's parents or you're his wife or you're his children, like, I'm just like that. Like, I, I can't, I, I can't watch that. Like, I'm so nervous about everything. I got nervous thing. watching him run away from the champagne from his kid. I know, man. Which didn't I look know. that nimble. I know. It's. He, he, he's wearing slides. I get it. But like, it just scares me, man. I, I love, the dude is phenomenal. I know. Top shelf I know. human being with a phenomenal career. He's got nothing to prove to anyone. But it scares me. I agree. To me, I, let him come in and take the knees on the six games you win this year. That last knee of the game type of thing. Get him into that the game. Cool. Yes. Allow him to get uh, – I guess you're not really going to get out, much of an ovation the shotgun, this year. Style. Yeah. Like, you're not getting an ovation this year because there are no fans going to be there. But, like, get, you know, jog on the field. Get that moment. Get that, you know, teammates standing up from the bench, watching it happen. Take the knee. Come off the field. Hold the football. And ride off in the sunset. But That's a, that's a um, good – that's a good. That's a good way to put it, Jamie. I think that's. I just, that's otherwise, it just. I'd be nervous. I mean, it's not my decision to make, obviously. Uh, but as we know, Washington's doctors aren't exactly the most trustworthy in the world. Ask the new left tackle in San Francisco. Um, so, I mean, there's some questions that I have there as well. So, I just again, whatever, regardless of what happens, wish the best for him, his family's health. To, to even get back to this point is is incredible, for sure. I, no. Better man than I. I would. I wouldn't go anywhere. I wouldn't even look at a football again if that happened to me. Like, yeah. I wouldn't even go in the football section at Walmart. I mean, and, and he's coming out here and he's going to try to play in an NFL game. Yeah, uh, so thanks. all the credit in the world uh, to him. And by the way, the legacy of Alex Smith is going to be very interesting. Uh, we, don't have to, we don't get into it now, but, you know, his run in San Francisco, getting supplanted by Colin Kaepernick, going to Kansas City, helping groom, having success there and having the best year of his career right before he has to, you know, as he's grooming Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Um, and I then sum you know, it up for you in one word, Jamie. Winner. Yep. Yeah. He did it at both places. Yep. And that yep. was the Rogers class, wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't he yeah, number one that year? Yeah. 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 So same class. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. All right, guys. Uh tell everybody how they can follow you on social media. Jake. Jake B. Arians for all those hot takes today. <laughs> Jamie. You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. You guys can follow the show at TDN Fantasy. There's no underscore anymore. We officially got the account. So at TDN Fantasy, you should follow the Draft Network at the Draft Network on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those good places. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an I. And please leave us a review. Thank you to our premium members who have been leaving us reviews. Uh, I have started to make care packages that I'm sending out to our premium members who are leaving us reviews with TDN gear. So for all of those people out there that listen to the podcast, if you leave us a review and you send it to me in a screenshot, you send it to me on Twitter, you send it to Jake, Jamie, whoever that sent it to the account, I'm going to grab all those. I'm going to get you some TDN uh, merch that we've had made. So thank you guys. We really appreciate it. It helps the podcast out a lot. Hope you guys have a good day. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.